one. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you all. Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inahu wa nasta'khfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shiruri anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina man yahdihi allahu falamudululah wa man yudmil falahadilah wa ashadu anna la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashadu anna muhammadan abdahu wa rasulah qala allahu ta'ala ya ayuhu al-ladhina amanu taqu allahu haqqa tukatihi wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimin All thanks and praises are due to God We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray and whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but God alone without any partners and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's final messenger. O you who believe, be mindful of God as is God's due, and make sure you devote yourselves to God to your dying moment. We begin in the name of Allah, the compassionate and the merciful, Lord of the heavens and the earth, creator of everything. Alhamdulillah, all thanks and praises to God. And prayers and peace be upon the beloved Prophet Muhammad seal of the Prophet, his family and progeny, and blessings upon his companions and all followers. On the wall above my small desk, my small study desk in my girlhood room, I hung up a notebook sheet of paper on which I wrote in big Arabic letters with my green marker, I am as my servant thinks I am and I am with them when they remember me. I had heard it from my mother. She always used to remind me of this fact. God will never fail you when you truly believe it and when you truly think of God in that way. For years, this was a central belief for me to follow as it shaped my early religious sentiments. It was not a Quranic verse, but a sacred divine communication, a hadith Qudsi, in which the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, quoted God directly. What especially touched me about this famous Hadith Qudsi is the implied meaning of intimacy and direct relationship between God subhanahu wa ta'ala and oneself. Long before I grew up and to know or read about Sufism, which is the Islamic practice of purifying one's character and attaining intimacy with God subhanahu wa ta'ala, Every time I wished for things, even if it's something trivial, came to pass for me. My mother would say, see, because you were sure that God would not disappoint you, that God would grant you this. This was indeed heartwarming to know in every sense of the word as, I'm, as I was growing up, the belief that God will not disappoint me. And this was also equally reflected in the desire on my part not to disappoint God as in verse 60 of chapter 55. And what is the reward for good, except anything but good? In Surah Al-Rahman, This brilliant, shining verse at once combines goodness, beauty, and fairness. The idea being that beauty you give 
you will receive. And that is nestled within this surah, surah al-Rahman, the compassion. I think I unconsciously, at that early age, promised myself and determined to always read God's words carefully, understand them, feel them, recite them, love them, and live them, inshallah. In the years following, Sufi poetry and the voice of historical women Sufiyat and their passion for Allah, singing the praises of Allah and, and teaching and preaching for God's sake alone, um, that would just steal my heart as I was growing up and I began to learn about this tradition. Yet the unfair monopolizing of religious experience and expression that I sometimes witnessed and experienced was also baffling and disenchanting to me. I was left with many questions. Where in the Quran or in the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is there anything for anyone to derive the view that women are less than men? Or that women are to be ruled and disciplined and controlled by men? Or that the religious views and ideas and experiences of women are not as valid or not to be taken seriously as those of men? Or that we cannot be teachers of God's words and guidance to all? Where in the book is it that God has given this as privilege and opportunity for only one group of the Ummah, for only one group of God's creative community. These questions would eventually lead me to pursue deeper study of, of Islam and ultimately uh, a lifetime of, of Islamic scholarship and teaching and leadership. Inshallah, in my khutbah today, I want to highlight the verse that we usually end all khutbahs with, as it relates to the topic of the khutbah today of gender justice. God commands justice, goodness, and giving to give to kin's book. And God forbids indecency, wrongdoing, and transgression God admonishes you that you may remember. Now, many commentators and scholars of the Quran have considered this particular verse, which is verse 90 of chapter 16, uh, considered it the basic foundation and seed of ethical values and righteousness that are illustrated throughout the revelation, actually. But the, the verse is a very straightforward, condensed form um, that ought to be a believer's guiding light. And it presents in a very precise and concise and compressed manner, a comprehensive way of ethical life. Three essential virtues here are commanded by God subhanahu wa ta'ala and three vices forbidden by God at the same time. Justice, al-adl, comes first and foremost which is also, we must remember, is one of Allah's beautiful names, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and is closely associated with the virtues of goodness, ihsan, and generosity, The enumeration of these three virtues moves from the general to the specific, 
and from the abstract to the more concrete. Thus, to pursue and embody justice means, among many other things, to do what is good, what is morally beautiful, as the Quranic word ihsan is derived from husn in Arabic meaning fair and beautiful. And one does not, as a Muslim, as a Muslim, one does not simply sing the praises of justice in fear and claim love of justice without actualizing it in conduct and in life or without acting justly. The Quran is not a tract of uh, theoretical abstract philosophy, only to be admired from afar like an ornament. It's a book of guidance and inspiration for a lived ethics of engagement within our communities. And what better example than this, as a third commandment in this verse tells us, being generous to one's kinfolk or relatives as an embodiment of this. Generosity is the ultimate embodiment of being fair, good, and helpful because individual responsibility and social support is simply the right thing to do and the Muslim beautiful thing to do. And then there are the following three counter vices in the verse that God forbids. And in a way they are there to define further the virtues mentioned at the beginning of the verse by contrast. These are, the first is indecency, al-fahisha denotes a certain shameful or foul excessiveness in behavior that is opposite to the spirit of justice as moderation and righteousness of the straight path. Again, moving from the general to the specific, to the particular, the second vice is munkar. These are the wrong deeds that cannot be denied as such and are recognized by anyone with sound mind, sound moral sense as inherently wrong. Now the 13th century commentator, Al-Razi, spe specifies in his book of Tafsir, Al-Tafsir Al-Kabir, that this is harming people and doing evil unto them. And the 12th century scholar, Zamakhshari, qualifies it in his book, Al-Kashaf, as that which minds and intellects, minds and intellects reject as untrue. So it's an action so opposed to good reason that it is reprehensible and unconscionable. Unconscionable. Even more specifically is the third vice we are warned against, which is divined, uh, defined as pride sense of superiority and power over others that leads to infringement of one's rights and hence injustice that is opposite to the spirit of giving and generosity, as in the example of reaching to one's kin that we just mentioned in the beginning part of the verse. And the verse then ends with the confirmation that this is an important reminder and exhortation from God subhanahu wa ta'ala to the believer. God admonishes you that you may remember. Now, is there anything more comprehensive and beautiful and clearly put than this verse? 
its symmetrical, balanced, syntactic structure embodies the notions of justice and uprightness, which is central. It's a central Quranic imperative for all Muslims. And it does recall another Quranic uh, image throughout the revelation as well, that of the Nizan. The Nizan is the scale, which appears in many, in nine different verses actually in the, in the Quran with several levels of meaning. It starts being the actual scale used for measure in buying and selling. And also metaphorically, it refers to the cosmic state scale of the heavens and the skies and the miracle of the seven heavens. Uh, at a third level, it means upholding fairness. And it's a reference to egalitarian ethic. Um, in one verse, the Nizam, the scale, is associated with al-haq, which is truth. And in four other verses, uh, the Mizan, the scale of justice, is also associated with another Quranic term, which is Qis. Qis here being another term for acting justly. It means also being fair, to be fair, to give each and every one their due rights. Qis, being fair, itself is mentioned 22 times in the Quran, and in many cases, by the way, in reference to the treatment of orphans, of women, of helpless children, the downtrodden, the poor, or regarding reconciliation among quarreling Muslims. And this is in addition to the 14 times that adl, the word for justice, is also mentioned as a commandment. Three of which, three times, from these 14 times, the word adl uh, uh, is in verses that urge the just treatment of victims. Now, these are not merely numbers and lists, my sisters. They're not just words to compile. They are Allah's integrated imperatives for action and practice. The Quran is whole. The Quran is a living and indivisible whole. God warns us, actually, against breaking the Quran into fragments, into pieces. Abin is the word used, and that's in chapter 15, verse 91. Believing in parts of the Quran we like and rejecting others, or uh, uh, taking parts out of context. Thus, we ought to think of justice specifically for Muslim women within our communities and countries. I say what I have said. May God forgive us all. Alhamdulillah, all praises and thanks are due to God. Women during the Prophet's time and descent and the descent of the revelation rightly understood the central message of this great religion and expected its application to them. Initially, in the form of inclusion in the affairs of the Ummah, in the affairs of the community, and in God's revelation itself. 
there are three different accounts that are very interesting that tells us this, uh, that are reported in the tradition of the hadith, uh, the, the stories and quotations and reports passed down from the Prophet, peace be upon him, The first comes from the hadith collection of Muslim, Kitab al-Fada'i, and it refers to Umm Salama, the wife of the Prophet, who uh, we are told once heard uh, the Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, calling upon the member, O people, Ya Ayyuhannas, and she was preparing to respond to the call and go out, uh, only to be cautioned by, uh, uh, by her companion, her uh, woman companion, who said that he, he called upon the men, not the women. And Umm Salama replied very clearly and shortly, but very. I am from the people, in minimness. The second account uh, comes from the collection of the occasion of revelations. That's the uh, book Asbab al-Nuzur by al-Nisaburi in the 11th century. And also involves uh, Umm Salama, uh, who inquired of the Prophet uh, if the reward for the hijra, for the migration, is only bestowed upon men since there's no specific verse that acknowledges women's participation in the early struggle and hardship of the Hijra. Uh, and this was the occasion of the revelation of verse 195, chapter 3, where God states, I will not let the work of any male or female be in vain. Each of you is like the other. Now, the third occasion of revelation, also narrated in, in Nisaburi's book uh, uh, as involving uh, a female companion, Asma bint Ramais, although in some tafsir books, in some Quranic commentaries, there's also the mention that it's a response to Umm Salama. So there are a, a little bit of variance in uh, the reports of the uh, woman who is responsible for the revelation to come. Uh, but in any rate, it's, it's the same idea. Um, in Nisabori's book, what I read, or what I read, is that Smat bin Tomei is one of the early female companions who have migrated to Ethiopia when she comes back and she asks the prophet's wives, did the revelation descend concerning us? To which they said no. Upon what she goes to the Prophet Ali and, and exclaims, Oh God's Prophet, women are in such failure and loss because they're not mentioned in righteousness as the men are mentioned. Very interesting inquiry. Uh, and we're told that as a, a divine, subhanahu wa ta'ala, as a divine response to that inquiry, to that. Uh, um, inquiry was uh, verse 35 of chapter 33, Surah Al-Ahzab, that was revealed in which God subhanahu wa ta'ala assures women of the community uh, that their voices are heard and their efforts are acknowledged, including them forever within this revealed text. Every time we read this verse, we're supposed to remember the lesson behind the occasion of revelation. Surely, for Muslim men and women, believing men and women, devout men and women, truthful men and women, 
patient men and women, humble men and women, charitable men and women, fasting men and women, men and women who guard their chastity, and men and women who remember Allah, often for all of them, Allah has prepared forgiveness and a great reward. Every time you read these verses, it, it is a clear sign for our communities to continue to practice this egalitarian ethic. And of course, we also recur in we also um, recall in Surah Al-Tawbah, chapter 9, verse 71, when again there's an explicit um, uh, recommendation of the explicit verse um, that states the equal participatory ideal that believing men and believing women are protectors and supporters of one another in managing the religious affairs of the Ummah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, the believers, both men and women, are guardians of one another, allies of one another. They encourage good and forbid evil, they establish prayer and pay alms and obey Allah and Allah's Messenger. It is they who will be shown Allah's mercy. Surely Allah is Almighty and All God's words, commandments, and exhortations, and guidance, and principles, all these different signs are to be reflected upon and related to each other in order to be heeded and applied, not just recited and admired. And this is the exhortation, the Quranic exhortation of tadabbur. Tadabbur means deep reflection that God urges us all to engage in as Muslims. In uh, chapter 47, verse 24, do they not contemplate, ponder the Quran, or do hearts have their walks upon them? We are exhorted not to fall upon God's signs, deaf and blind. Um, chapter 25, verse uh, 73, and one 10th century Quranic commentator, Tabari, uh, explains in his book, Jami' al Bayan al Ta'wil Ayat Quran, this particular verse, uh, that these are people who are supposed to be with awakened hearts and discriminating minds. So you're reflecting, but also using your heart. And the Mahshari, another uh, Quranic scholar and commentator, likened those described in the verse that are just come upon God's uh, signs or verses, deaf and blind. He describes them as uh, uh, the munafiqeen, the hypocrites, because they might show great concern for the Quran or for the deen and enthusiasm for hearing God's words without any awareness, without any insight, without any effort to reflect and feel. Uh, so we must ask ourselves, why is it that some of us forget to associate these three specific gender equality uh, verses with the adl, qist, and mizan verses that we talked about, justice, fairness, the scale of justice. Isn't the equal humanity of women in Islam also an inseparable part and application of these values? Isn't injustice to women a form, a form of zulm, oppression and injustice that God warns us against? 
why do we not make the links and view the Quran as a whole? Why do some Muslims end up saying that men and women have spiritual equality in the eyes of God, which they do, alhamdulillah, and have equality in their worship, but not in the social and domestic sphere and, domestic and public lived reality. In some of our communities and societies, there still exist people who are convinced that authority, power, and leadership belong to men only. Indeed, we can all quote the prophet saying that women are the sister halves of men, meaning on par with them or of equal status. Yet at the same time, quietly and politely, Muslim communities exclude these sisters when it comes to activities of either authority or management or religious legitimacy. And even though there's no lack of qualified women, uh, but many we find many of the public platforms within our institutions of religious knowledge and official channels of Islamic learning and the study of tradition are still dominated by our male brothers, male scholars. Even though there were hundreds and hundreds of, of Muslim women scholars in the earliest few hundred years of Islam that we see in the historical sources. It's very, it's very clear in the historical sources who were uh, scholars and theologians and fucking head and muftiyat and teachers of Islamic knowledge. Uh, but women scholars are not always regarded in this area of teaching and, and preaching Islamic knowledge as the sister house of main scholars or on, on that equal level when they're qualified, even when they're qualified. They're not always trusted with that grave task of producing and disseminating Islamic knowledge or with the full legitimacy and authority that this activity provides. On top of this, many Muslim women themselves, many Muslim women scholars today also end up questioning their own qualifications to speak in mainstream platforms out of a lack of self-confidence confidence in their own abilities and because they have internalized this societal lack of trust. And that's unfair, that's unjust, and that's unwrong, and that's wrong. Is this justice? Is, it, is this equitable qist, as we were saying? Or is that baghi, as the verse was saying, the overpowering and infringement on rights of inclusion and equal opportunities to be part of the Ummah and to contribute to the Ummah. What about our practices also in our homes and families? Do we really practice tadabbur, that kind of, of reflection on justice and ethics uh, upon all the interrelated Quranic notions and injunctions of qist and of fairness and justice? Uh, do we uphold the balance or scale of equal rights in order to apply them to rulings of marriage and divorce and raising of children? We notice that the verses related to women in the Quran have all descended originally in the revelation during the time of the revelation to redress the slanted uneven balance of gender relations at the time to teach Muslims and all humans right, the wrongness of inequality and discrimination, as well as to teach the equal dignity 
and human worth of women. But some Muslims, sadly, still manage to distort this core message and Allah's intent, turn it around actually by unjust and unfair practice of God's commandments that are related to women, or via outright false application that is counter to the basic Quranic egalitarian ethic that, that I've been talking about. Sadly, we sometimes manage to do exactly what the Quran describes in the example of tatfif, which is fraud, and another brilliant image, Quranic image, that is opposite to that of the Mizan. If the Mizan is the scale, the balance of justice, uh, to obtain one's tatfif uh, means the practice when someone obtains full rights for themselves and at the same time not recognize the same rights for others. So we're quite happy to, to shortchange others, yet forget this injunction. Uh, and that's in chapter 83, verse, verses 1 to 3. Woe unto those who give short measure. Those who, when they are to receive their due from other people, demand that it be given in full, but when they have to measure or weigh whatever they owe to others, give less than what is due. And the 20th century Quran scholar and uh, translator Muhammad Asad observes in the message of the Quran, his book, the translation, this does not only refer to commercial dealings of people cheating in, in, in commerce and buying and selling, but touches upon every aspect of social relations and applies to every individual's rights and obligations. Now, as a teacher, I have been a teacher, a university teacher uh, all my life, alhamdulillah, and I've always tried to share with young girls reflections such as these about, about the beauty and justice of Allah, the compassion, the mercy, and utter fairness of our Creator. Uh, I try to teach them that zulm, oppression and injustice, is made by people, not God. SubhanAllah. One is only to read and reflect for oneself upon what God is really telling us. And sometimes these young girls, I found them to be unsettled souls, to be uh, uh, anxious, and I would see that their eyes would light up and feel their yearning to experience both the love and fairness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They wanted to experience the faith and dignity of belief in the revelation in a way that bolstered their equal worth and validation, not their inferiority. And throughout the years I've been meeting with such, with, with such beautiful, honest, uh, faithful young girls, uh, they would have devout hearts and souls. Uh, they, they are keen to keep and practice the faith, but at the same time confused by the injustices and unexplained bias incorrectly conveyed to them as part of the religion. And they would confess that if, if they're afraid that if they question this, that would appear that they are questioning and abandoning religion itself. 
and this is how they're made to feel in their daily life. And this is not the way it is or the way it is supposed to be. So they would feel reassured and empowered to hear from me sometimes about Quranic gender justice and egalitarian ethics that all Muslims, women and men, uh, are, uh, uh, are required by God to, to, uh, to practice. Uh, about as Muslimette, finding our own discourse as believing and practicing Muslim women against indigenous patriarchy, against racism, against colonizing, orientalizing uh, disdain against secular Islamophobia. It, it is our duty to be aware uh, of all these tendencies, but distance ourselves intellectually and spiritually from these unfair, unjust tendencies and maintain purity of our hearts and clarity of our visions and confidence in our faith. Uh, I feel this is a knowledge, this is a kind of perspective uh, that should be conveyed uh, to others. This is something that I do not want to keep selfishly, selfishly to myself only. So my call to you, sisters, is to join me. Uh, and if you are blessed with even one seed of, of good, pure knowledge, plant it, share it. Uh, you do not have to be a scholar. You do not have to have memorized the whole Quran from beginning to end to share the knowledge that Allah has gifted you. We're all learning and we all acquire the knowledge gradually. Now, as I started this khutbah, my mother had planted in my consciousness the seeds of trusting in Allah. Al-Rahman, the merciful, Al-Ra'uf, the kind, Al-Wadud, the loving. Thus, it, I felt it has become a natural duty for me to show and remind these young girls that our deen, our faith, our religion, originally descended upon humanity to shake the arrogance of power, to inspire us to resist oppression intellectually and spiritually in all its forms, and to redress the balance of rights and dignity for the weakened and disempowered. It is this truth about Islam and the Quran uh, that uh, has inspired my writing and my teaching and my preaching. And is behind my inspiration today in, in this khutbah. May God accept all of our endeavors. Alhamdulillah. Thanks and praises are due to God. Uh, as Muslims, final word, as Muslims, we refer to ourselves as Ahlul Quran, people of the Quran, Ahlul Tawheed. So let us also pride ourselves that we are Ahlul Qistas al Mustaqim, right? People of the fair and Ahlul Tadabbur, people of deep reflection and heart reflection. Let us live the balanced life of coherence and moral consistency that God wants for us. Join me in reflecting today on the holistic and comprehensive message of the Quran, justice. And let's check with ourselves that 
we are indeed living this Muslim life of dealing fairly with all people around us, from our family, our friends, our colleagues, our larger community, of being consistently ethical and trusting in God's ultimate compassion and kindness for us. I seek forgiveness and repentance from you, my Lord. There is no God but you, most exalted. You are our guide and refuge. May you make us see clearly what is haq, what is true, what is beautiful, what is right, and grant us the ability to follow it. Allahumma taqabbala minna, warda anna. May you accept our endeavors and always be pleased with us. Ya Rabbil Alameen, Lord of all the world, the world. Iklu maa uhi ilayka min al-kitabi wa aqin salat, inna salat tanha an al-fahshai wa al-munkari wa zikrullahu akbaru. Wallahi ya'udhu wa tasna'u. Recite what has been revealed to you of the book and stay consistent in prayer. Indeed, prayer remains a human Prayer restrains us from lewd and wicked behavior, but the remembrance of God is even greater, and God knows everything you are doing. Let's perform the prayer. <laughs>